Welcome back to the Crone of Temple, Texas. I'm excited to share this episode with you because Barbara and I cover some wide territory on this episode. While the original Connections issue that Barbara reads from is nearly 10 years old, the topic has many implications for conversations taking place in our culture today. A woman's place in society and the church is often relegated to certain roles. And Barbara asks the question, is this in part because of our use of masculine language when we talk about God? Does our language to refer to God as Father or other masculine language perpetuate the belief that somehow women aren't as equal as men? Additionally, how does this impact our view of those who are outside our commonly accepted terms of male and female, or the transgender community? While Barbara doesn't write about this topic of sexuality as it pertains to the transgender conversation, we end up discussing this topic. We have the conversation that many within the church are either afraid or unwilling to have. And if even the suggestion that the church should be having this conversation makes you pause and consider not listening, we encourage you to reconsider. As always, Barbara Winland will read a portion of her Connections issue and will follow it up with our conversation. Here's Barbara Wenland. I'm not a guy, and I don't think God is. I'm very often called a guy nowadays, and that bothers me, because guy is a masculine word, and I'm not male. For some reason, where I'm most often called a guy is in restaurants. Where would you guys like to sit? A host or hostess often asks when customers enter the restaurant, even when some or all of the group of customers are female. Then at the table, a server asks, what would you guys like to drink? And then, are you guys ready to order? And later, do you guys need anything else? Or what would you guys like to see on the dessert menu? I almost dread going to one particular local restaurant, even though the food is excellent, because the owner and the hosts and hostesses and most of the servers continually call me a guy when I'm there. Sometimes I speak up to a server who does this. I'm not a guy, I point out. But this usually brings merely an astonished look, as if I'd suddenly said something in a foreign language. At times, however, it makes the server go to the other extreme and start calling the women ladies. But I find that equally undesirable. Ladies connotes an outdated pattern of behavior that sees women as sweet, fragile, vulnerable, incompetent creatures who should wear ruffles and pastels and be shielded from life. Many people now realize that using he and other masculine pronouns to refer to women is inappropriate, but that same realization about the word guy apparently hasn't yet dawned very widely. Calling everyone a guy is mainly a current habit, I realize, but it's harmful. It's also unnecessary. Why not just say you instead of you guys or you ladies? Why can't waiters say, where would you like to sit? Are you ready to order? Do you need anything else? That seems so simple, and it would be so much kinder. 
It would acknowledge that women exist and that they're just as capable and valuable as men. Many people apparently think that calling women guys doesn't matter. Some of the people to whom I say I'm not a guy insist that guys applies to everyone. That's the same claim that we heard in the church and elsewhere for years about using only masculine pronouns to refer to everyone from God all the way down. That claim has come and unfortunately still comes, not just from many men, but also from some women. And it's wrong. Using masculine pronouns for groups that include both men and women makes the women invisible. In effect, it says they don't matter enough to mention. More importantly, it engraves this mistaken impression into us at an unconscious level where its effect is especially powerful because we're not aware of it. That's what also happens when we use only masculine pronouns for God or only use masculine titles like Lord and King. Largely without realizing what is happening, we get the impression that God is male, which in effect says that being male is infinitely more valuable than being female. And this usage, especially when it is combined with seeing the man Jesus as uniquely divine, as so many Christians do, often contributes to believing that only men are entitled to represent God officially in the church, as some Christian denominations still claim. We quote scriptures saying there is neither male nor female in Christ, but our church's actions often give a very different message. Women, like men, are made in God's image, and about 60% of church members and more than 50% of the U.S. population are female. Yet many Christians refuse to give women their rightful place in the church and the world. We've made progress, but we still have a long way to go. It's time to discard traditions that put women down or make them invisible. It's time for more Christians to wake up, to speak up, and to refuse to give up until the changes God is calling us to make have become a reality. Fortunately, some aspects of how women are treated, especially women in generations younger than mine, have improved in recent years, but I find that most of what I wrote years ago still applies. It applies especially in the church, and it applies especially to how we talk about God. You state here that many people apparently think that calling women guys doesn't matter. Can you just talk a little bit why you believe women shouldn't be called guys? Well, because guys is a masculine word, and it doesn't make any sense to call women by a masculine word. And it, it makes it seem like that they don't even exist if you just lump them all together under masculine terminology. Why do you feel like it? Is it demeaning? I mean, yes, it doesn't make sense because genetic, but is there a deeper issue that you feel like, you know, is at play when we refer to women as guys? 
yes. I think that the deeper issue when we call women guys is that we're saying in a way that guys, men, are the only important people. And it it leaves women out. It's it's saying to women that they really don't matter at all. That um, guys, men, are the people who are capable and deserving of leadership positions in the church and the world because they have greater ability than women. And that's simply not true. I think equally, you know, if if there was a group of um, men and if I were to walk up and say, let's go, ladies, uh, that's perceived oh, yeah. as very demeaning. Yes, if the opposite of this was happening, and if we use the word ladies or women even to refer to groups of of men, the men would feel really insulted, I think. If I walked up to a group of men and said, okay, ladies, come on, we're ready to go, or if a server in a restaurant came up to a group of men and said, ladies, where would you like to sit? They would think that was just ridiculous, and they would feel insulted. But it's really the same principle when we call a group of women guys, and yet we don't seem to recognize that. So why do you believe we use masculine pronouns for God. What does it indicate about our view of God? Or more importantly, what does it indicate about our view of women? If we use only masculine words for God, it says, in effect, that men, human men, are on a level with God that women are not on that level. It says that the group of men includes God, in effect, that God is, is one of the guys and that women are a lesser group that is not as important and not as capable and all sorts of other things about uh, women's lack of ability and lack of value in the world. And do you think that our use of generic terms like guys uh, to refer to women, do you feel like that is perpetually undermining women's role in society or within the church? Oh, yes. I think that, that using the word guys for women all the time really does undermine women's position in the world and in the church and other organizations because it it makes them invisible and it makes it sound like that men are the ones who are important and who are capable and therefore ought to have the leadership positions of all kinds in the church and the world. So why do you believe that we tend to use masculine pronouns for God? 
I think we tend to use masculine pronouns and other words for God, mainly because it's what the Bible does. It's what Jesus does, according to the Bible. And therefore, we assume that that's the right thing to do. But we, in doing that, we ignore the fact that the Bible was written many, many centuries ago and that evidently men were in the leadership roles primarily in the church as it existed then and in society. And so it was the normal, natural thing to do to use masculine words for everybody. And certainly that's what we hear Jesus doing in the Bible in the quotes that uh, purport to be from Jesus, like direct quotes from Jesus. And so uh, we feel like if it's what Jesus does, it's the right thing to do. And we overlook the fact that Jesus, in his earthly life, lived in a very patriarchal society and a society in which men did play all the dominant roles of every kind. But we don't live in that society. At least we're trying to get away from it in some experience. In some ways, our society still functions in a very patriarchal way, acting as if men were the important people. But we have, we know better than that now, really. And we ought to act like we do. So you're you're getting at a an issue. That I'd I'd like for you to maybe maybe this is splitting hairs, but you know when when Jesus walked the earth and he used the terms like our Father who art in heaven, um, was he just was he referring to God and the male figure because that was cultural and he was relating to the Jewish people, or did he have a lack of understanding? You know, was he not truly the divine Son of God and therefore didn't know how to relate to God? Perfectly. That kind of question really ties into much larger questions about Jesus, like in the, in the sense that he was human, was his knowledge and understanding incomplete or inadequate in some way? Did he really not know that women were equally important as men. And I think that doesn't really, it doesn't really make any sense to say that he assumed that because he treated women in some ways that were very untypical of that culture that he lived in. Like there are various incidents told in the Bible about his dealings with women, like, for example, the Roman, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and people like that, that he, uh, his good friends, Mary and Martha, and 
it all that kind of accounts in the Bible make it sound like he really did consider women equally valuable as men, but that it was kind of the way of the culture, it was what everyone expected to treat men as the primary leaders of society in every sense of the word, as the dominant person in the family and in organizations and other things. So uh, equally, how do you feel about us referring to, to God as a woman? I think it's fine if we want to refer to God as a woman. There are certainly several examples in the Bible where God is referred to as a woman. Uh, It's not so explicit, maybe, that we uh, won't overlook it, but there's this story about the woman looking for the lost coin, um, there's a story about the the uh, several stories, as I recall, about women being mothers and nurturing their babies, and those are are obviously stories that are intended to metaphorically be about God, and so. I assume that it would be okay, that it is okay for us to use feminine words to refer to God. You know, often the the word for wisdom is Sophia, which yes. obviously has a very feminine, it's a feminine name. Yes. And so there's feminine qualities of God in the same way that there might be masculine qualities. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, it's... It's easy for us to understand the masculine qualities because that's all we're really talked about. But what about the feminine qualities of of God? Well, the feminine qualities, I think, are evidently represented in some of the language of the Bible. And maybe the fact that we, most of us, at least in the U.S. today, don't speak Hebrew or Greek or any of the languages that the Bible was originally written in, and we don't realize that some of the words are feminine that actually are. Like, as I understand it, the word for the Holy Spirit is feminine. And certainly there's the word for wisdom which is Sophia, and that refers to God or Jesus. But if we just read that in English words, if we just see the word wisdom, that doesn't really occur to us unless we have learned that that comes from the Greek, I guess, word for wisdom. So you say that at the end of this paragraph, you say that it's wrong. Can you explain? You say the claim has come, and unfortunately still comes, not just from many men, but also from some women. Uh, Can you explain why you believe that that's wrong? I believe that it's wrong because of what we now know 
about the qualities of men and women and the fact that men have some qualities always that we consider feminine and vice versa. Women have some qualities that we may consider masculine and that the whole range of um, gender is it is a range it's like a spectrum it's not just male everything on one end of the spectrum and female on the other but it's a wide range and in, and it's misleading to say that everybody is on the extreme end of one of the other ends of that wide range. And simply our ideas of what are female attributes and, and what are male attributes is probably unrealistic because the way we have labeled those attributes typically is, oh, I don't know, kind of inaccurate. Um, Like we sometimes say, oh, women are the people who are caring and compassionate, and that's a female characteristic. But but men don't have as much of that quality. And I think we now know that that's not really strictly true, that those qualities are not so strictly divided among men and women. And there's plenty of men who are caring and compassionate and there are plenty of women who are, are not so much that they are of personalities that are are just different from that. And it's not, it can't be separated out strictly into male and female qualities. So you say, uh, you said using masculine pronouns for groups that include both men and women makes women invisible. What I'd like for you to do is, in, in what ways do you believe that women are perceived as invisible, uh, I mean, in our culture? And perhaps you can talk a little bit about, you know, transition that into, you know, women in the workplace, often their ideas or their input are overlooked. Certainly the pay scale is different for doing similar jobs. So can you just talk about how women are invisible in our society and aren't um their their value isn't as valued. I think we don't often realize that women are treated as if they were invisible, and yet they are. I it seems to me that in conversation, in groups of people, uh, especially at their workplaces, for example, you so often hear that. In a group of of men and women in a workplace, or even um, in like an organization, when there'll be a 
meeting of some kind of a group that includes men and women, that the women can speak up about uh, some suggestion or some observation, and it's just ignored. And that then later in the conversation, a man will say that very same thing, and it's acknowledged and even maybe treated like, oh, what a wonderful idea that is. And yet a woman has said it already earlier, and it was it was as if the woman was just invisible and hadn't really been heard at all. But do you feel like do you feel like that takes some just intentional thinking about it because yes. if I'm not harmed by it, I'm not going to think about it. It's the same issue with race and economic disadvantages. Right. And- yes. If you don't, if you haven't ever had that really brought to mind in some way, you probably aren't aware that you're doing any any harm to anyone else, or that it's um, causing you yourself to not be as effective or as well-liked by other people. But if you become aware of it and you see that it's causing harm, then I think you're often likely to try to stop, which means kind of stop and think whenever you see yourself about to, say, use an uncomplimentary word for somebody or whatever it is that's causing um, harm to other people. And it's kind of hard to do, like breaking any kind of habit. Um, It takes some time and effort to stop doing it. And that's the way it is in the church, for example, when we use all masculine words for God, and it just it doesn't occur to most people that there's anything wrong with that or any reason to do different. And then when somebody speaks up about it and or or does differently, like if someone uh in a prayer says, God, our mother, it can be really a jolt to a lot of people in the congregation because they haven't ever heard that done before or they haven't thought of any reason for doing it themselves. And so it shakes them up. But doing it more often is the way to change and I know there are some pastors and other people who actually do that, who use um, feminine words for God, some in their conversation, or that they just don't use either masculine or feminine pronouns, for example. They just say God instead of saying he or she. And our language is is not really constructed in ways to to improve that very easily. We don't have words that are 
non-gendered, I guess you would say, except for words like it, which then uh, makes the person that you're referring to or makes God seem like a thing rather than having personal qualities. And I think that has become more noticeable in current times when we're more aware of the existence of transgender people and people who at some point in their life realize that the gender that they have had associated with them doesn't really match the kind of person that they feel like they are, and so they change. They have a, some sex change operations or whatever and end up becoming the other gender. But then the, the situation with words to refer to that person is kind of a problem. People who know them have to get used to calling the person they always thought of as a boy to start calling that person she. And and we often see adults now who are in that situation, who are transgender or who have changed their gender. Uh, we see them... Um, for example, when they sign their name at the end of a letter, they may list the pronouns that they want to be called by, and they'll say pronouns she and her, or they, them, and their. And that can be really clumsy in a way because it's, it doesn't match our language and our grammar, and it can be very confusing to see a, an individual referred to by plural words like they, but that seems to be the kind thing to do once you know what the reason is for their wanting to be called that. You know, the church perhaps isn't embracing the topic of transgenderism as well as it should. And how do you think the church probably should respond to this topic? I think the church should become more open if they have transgender people in their congregation, for example, which most churches of any size probably do nowadays, um, they need to acknowledge that person with the pronouns that the person prefers and um, do whatever else is necessary to make that person feel like part of a group to um, include them in holding offices in the church and whatever else typical members do. 
Barbara, in your article you say, and this usage, especially when it's combined with seeing the man Jesus as uniquely divine, as so many Christians do, often contributes to believing that only men are entitled to represent God officially in the church, as some Christian denominations still claim. How do you feel about certain denominations that only allow male elders or deacons or pastors? Do you believe the church's male dominance has any negative effects on the church? Uh, should the church lean into women and elders and pastors more? I think the church has suffered in some ways and and still does to some extent by not putting women in leadership roles to the extent that men are. Um, in my earlier years, there were really not any women in the most visible leadership roles of the church, like being pastors. And women church members were, to a large extent, seen to be supposed to do um, jobs like teaching children Sunday school, which I did for many years, and um, preparing food for all kind of social occasions in the church, making cookies, making casseroles for dinners and teas and such. And men were not asked to do those jobs. Those were just seen as as women's jobs. And that has fortunately changed some in more recent years, I think, partly because more women are holding jobs outside the home and they don't have time to spend a lot of time making cookies and casseroles and so on, like I did and many of my contemporaries did in earlier years. And so I think we've probably gotten away from some of that kind of expectations. But... um, failing to include women in those roles that have more influence on the church, the leadership roles, keeps us from having the benefit of those women's abilities. And that's in the church, I, I think it's known that about 60% of church members are women. And it just, it seems really unreasonable to not include those members proportionately in the, the jobs that need doing in the church. But it does... Uh, failing to include them keeps the church from having the benefit of what they could offer. Thank you, Barbara. I'm always impressed, not by just your thinking, but the fact that you were so far ahead of your time when writing about such topics as these 10, 20, and even 30 years ago. Thank you for listening to The Crone of Temple, Texas. 
I can be sure this conversation is not over and one that Barbara and I need to continue to have. It's definitely one that the church should be having also. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media or send it to a friend. If you have comments or questions, Barbara would love to hear from you. You can reach out to Barbara directly on her website, connectionsonline.org. Thank you for listening to The Crone of Temple, Texas.